Hello and welcome to the Sports Map Podcast. My name is Nick Kane. This is the podcast where we're talking all things sports medicine, physiotherapy, rehabilitation, and return to performance. Now, in today's podcast, we are chatting with Martin Tyson. And Martin is a senior sports physiotherapist and he's largely known for his work with the Belgium Olympic team. He's featured uh, working with the, with the team through Beijing and London Olympics and into next year's Olympic preparations at the moment. Uh, he's also worked a lot within the Winter Olympic team, uh, predominantly with speed skaters. Uh, I came across Martin through chain to a colleague and uh, he, Martin did a workshop for Aspatar and some of his uh, rehabilitation uh, process and principles around his hip predominantly work and you can imagine the sort of ranges and strength required for the speed skaters and um, yeah Martin had some really interesting takes and, and it really explores you know wider ranges of motion and really challenges um, the athletes into those positions and it's very different to I guess what we typically see within our field sports and our preparation around that so I think there's so much to learn from that uh, and then having chatted to Martin further he's um, really strong belief in concepts around um, benchmark based rehabilitation and more systematic and global prevention strategies um, within both you know the track athletes and, and general population that he works in found it really interesting so hope you guys also enjoy this chat with Martin and it was great to have him on board so thanks for listening right, welcome to the sports Bat podcast Martin thank you very much uh, Nick for this opportunity now Fill us in a little bit about uh, what you're doing work-wise uh, and, and a few of your main, where your main interests lie. Uh, and I'll um, follow that on from, I guess, uh, how I sort of came across your work and, and, and the interest I have in it. So fill us in a little bit on, um, yeah, what you're doing nowadays. Yeah, so um, so I, I run a, a sports clinic actually in Leuven nearby Brussels in Belgium. And uh, we started like 10 years ago, uh, specialized on, on sports injuries, actually. We have an interdisciplinary team uh, there is a mental coach involved, nutritionist, uh, orthopedic surgeon. Uh, so we um, uh, we have an whole, uh, let's say, an whole team that can support the athlete uh, to to go for gold, actually. And and that means we do everything about uh, injury management, from uh, injury prevention uh, to return to performance after a, an injury, for example. And our approach is very athlete centered. Uh, so um, that means also that we uh, really want them or support them to, um, let's say, to develop as, as, as healthy and, and, and very robust uh, athletes. So um, that's actually the most uh, important thing. Our mission actually is to keep them healthy, but also taking into account the, the gold medals they, they are uh, driving for. So um it's very the the biggest focus is uh, laid on uh, exercise based therapy, of course, more strength and conditioning. Uh, so that means all the principles of, of strength and conditioning we try to translate and to use in in terms of injury prevention, as well as uh, of course return to uh, performance um, uh, systems. Um, the most important thing is actually uh, to to create a little bit more, um, let's say. Uh, uh, culture and habits is that we uh, develop uh, programs for uh, youth, uh, so from youth to elite athletes, um, to build up their capacity. And it's all, like I said already, strength-based, so more to build up more structure-specific load capacities. For example, uh, for an Achilles tendon, we, we put a lot of, uh, of emphasis, of course, on calf strengthening, 
uh, for hamstrings, uh, we know what to do about uh, how to, to, to put on uh, more um, robustness in terms of uh, eccentric work from isometric to concentric and eccentric workloads. And the most important thing actually is that we, besides individual uh, uh, work that we also are working together with athletes, is that we also advise uh, top sport uh, federations, uh, the national teams as well as international teams in, in building or creating a team, a networks, network of uh, experts around the athletes, so to, yeah, to support them even better and to build, uh, to build a system and a culture related to uh, injury uh, management. And everything is built around the pillars, load, capacity and well-being. For example, based on uh, well-being questionnaires, um, uh, where, whereas we try to involve the uh, the athletes themselves to to give feedback uh, every week so that they also feel like followed up that they are um, that they always all, always involved in the process as well. Um, since two thousand seven, I started uh, working with uh, the Belgian Olympic team actually, and since the summer of uh, uh, two thousand eight, Beijing, uh, the Olympic Games, um, I've uh, I've been working with uh, with the Belgian team uh, as well for uh, summer as for uh, winter athletes. So that means actually, um, of course, beside the daily following up uh, of the athletes and uh, supporting the trainers and the physios as well, uh, of course, we travel a lot with the, with the athletes and their teams to, to guarantee their follow-up. For example, in summer uh, sports, it's uh, more based on the national athletic team, the national sailing team, uh, international BMC triathlon team, uh, with, uh, whereas uh, Max Newman, an Australian uh, athlete, is, uh, is involved as well. Also pro cycling teams, uh, we advise, for example, um, I've worked four years as a strength and conditioning uh, responsible coach for uh, the quick step uh, pro cycling team. Um, and nowadays I work uh, with them uh, on, on um, individual based. And then, of course, the winter uh, athletes, we uh, follow up uh, mostly the speed skaters as well as the short trackers. Uh, so to build stronger uh, athletes um, as well in summer as winter games on the, uh, in a high-performance environment, actually. That's, that's actually what I do in daily life. Um, about uh, the legacy, of course, uh, I want to, to, to put or to translate more knowledge and experience uh, on general population as well as well but we can talk about that uh, later lovely mate lovely intro uh now yeah as i was sort of saying i've i guess i first came across some of your work i was uh i saw that the team at aspitar had you out to, to run a couple of workshops uh around some of your hip management or hip and groin having um a really solid background in some extensive work in that space with the speed skaters and you think about the positions the, the guys in speed skating and other winter sort of sports get into. I uh, found that really interesting in some of the exercises you guys were running through. What's your philosophy, I guess, around exercise prescription and athletic development um, and I guess how that ties into rehab? Yeah, um, the most important thing actually to start with, uh, with the program uh, from our part is uh, to do an, an, an analysis of the needs. Eh? So what, what's necessary for the sport? Uh, what are the sport-specific demands and what is uh, necessary to become a champion, a world champion, an Olympic champion? So, so it's also uh, based on what kind of load do you need? Eh? So that's, that's important. So we try to analyze first what is the need. 
in sport specific terms also of course the biomechanical uh, background of what is uh, necessary to put the most uh, for example in a speed skater uh, the the most uh, efficient way to move to put as much as possible uh, or to to transit to do a transition of the, the your strength in, into the ice so what are the biomechanics actually necessary to to have a better movement efficiency but also of course we do an analysis of um, uh, the specific intrinsic risk factors. We test them, uh, we, um, we screen them, um, just to have... Uh, screening is, of course, very in interesting, but it's only to get in touch with, with your athlete uh, at first. And then, of course, we can use that as benchmarking uh, system to, to follow the athlete. Um, so the testing is uh, as a benchmark and to know the athlete uh, in, in, uh, in terms of mobility, the flexibility balance and stability and the strength uh, uh, test what we do. And for example, what we are doing uh, with the athletes to test them is, uh, so in, in terms of the needs analysis, is um, baseline on-field tests with a handheld dynamometer, for example, but also in our clinic with uh, force plates uh, or in a more specific way, the isokinetic tests, of course, uh, Cybex and Biodex. Um, and based, of course, on those tests, uh, we work on the points needed to, to improve uh, in terms of mobility, flexibility, balance, stability and uh, strength. So that's where we start, actually, with that kind of needs analysis, one in sport specific way and secondary in intrinsic uh, risk factor. How who is your athlete and how is he or she moving? Um, of course, we it's important in terms of injury, uh, injury uh, prevention as well, primary, primary, secondary, or even tertiary. Uh, that's it. It is all about uh, capacity building to tolerate as much load as possible and also as soon as possible. For example, in a rehab, um, we don't have to be afraid to, to, to put a lot of load already, of course, depending on uh, the damage, the, the, the structural damage. Uh, and also taking into account the, the healing, uh, uh, the, the process, the process of healing, of course. But um, as soon as possible, we try to load uh, the athlete again to, let's say, to, to, to try as soon as possible to stay high with the chronic load that, that he or she needs in terms of rehab. So, for example, if there is a rehabilitation, of course, structurally and very specific structurally, the athlete needs some relative rest, but as soon as possible as we can load, we load. Of course, starting with the least aggressive, in a least aggressive uh, approach, but anyway, we load. And also uh, in terms of physical, but also mentally load, of course. And then, of course, we can uh, uh, build up. Uh, if we look to injury prevention, um, in terms of before we go to the exercise prescription, uh, in terms of using it for youth, um, it's, of course, important to take into account uh, the dose-response uh, relationship. That means um, how much is actually too much. For example, you talked about the workshop I gave in uh, Aspitar uh, in terms of uh, how to, to deal with, with hip problems. Uh, but, for example, if we see in youth, there is already, uh, uh, for example, with high-impact sports like, uh, like football uh, or soccer, as you, as you wish, um, uh, or um, the, the ice skating, uh, ice hockey, uh, more specific, then you can see in 
uh, in the growth. So when, when they are around 12 years old, let's say, the bone is most responsive to, to load. So we can see already there is a point that uh, primary camorphology has its uh, origin. Uh, so that means that um, in terms of dealing with youth for injury prevention, we have to start there. So to go for more multivariation programs, uh, to have a better base, to have a better fundamental uh, work, uh, more specifically working on fundamental movement skills. So also start early with strength and condition beside the specialization, of course. Um, before also building up a program, so we have done the needs analysis. Uh, so we worked, worked uh, we talked about youth as well, but also uh, third uh, um, thing is, of course, to educate. And so we have to 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 have uh, to communicate in a clear and a honest way. What are the beliefs? What are the expectations? Um, is the athlete also? What about his or her confidence? Are they are they aware about what's going on? in terms of uh, rehab, for example, but also in youth, what in, in, uh, in terms of involvement of the parents, the trainers, and the whole team. And so um, when you work with elite athletes, uh, we are more um, based on work to, to decide uh, in a shared decision way. So we are trying to develop them to an, or to empower, let's say, the athlete and to get involved in their own uh, process. So, the, on, and the, third the fourth point actually is about the periodization. So, if we talk about building up a program, after, after done the needs analysis, the difference between elite and youth athletes um, and education, uh, there is a fourth point, of course, we have to take into account the periodization. So, uh, I always... Um, conform to the process that is made by uh, the athlete and the trainer. So if they, uh, they say, okay, we have to peak, for example, in May and three more times in summer, I have to um, adapt my program or the ad advisory program to the athlete based on the periodization he or she gets. So for example, there we can play with the modalities. So we, are, we make up a framework for the athlete and the trainer based of course on scientific literature and customized to the athletes so we make up priorities what is necessary for the sport specific way of work and what are the individual needs based on the on the analysis we've done but also play with volume and intensity in the first at first for example in a general general off-season preparation phase we use a lot of volume uh, so to learn how to move for example, how to do the exercises. But if we go more and more to in-season and competition, we use the exercises individually, for example, in a warm-up. So we use, in the first prep phase, we use a lot of volume, let's say 20 to 30 minutes, three times 15 reps, for example, to, to have a better coordination and to feel how a movement should improve. And going more and more to the intensity uh, uh, in, in higher intensity, also from simple to complex uh, movements. And of course, uh, uh, trying to find the sweet spot uh, that's based also on communication. How do you feel with the exercises? And of course, on the analysis, how is the strength uh, build it up? Is, uh, do we see a progression, for example, in terms of uh, benchmarking? And then uh, a last thing is, of course, to play with isometric, dynamic, and eccentric uh, workloads. And those are actually the, the, the different parameters that we use 
in terms of periodization. Yeah? So in the periodization, we can play with that kind of uh, modalities. So there is a lot of, let's say, experience and knowledge in needed in terms of sport, in terms of the individual athlete, and of course on strength and conditioning um, principles before starting up uh, a program and also a good co-creation with the, with the coach and the athlete, his or herself. Certainly um, a fair bit to try and break down there um, and obviously some, some excellent insight into the levels of the detail that you guys have gone into there. Um, for I'll start with uh, just talking to our guests. For the, the listeners working with some speed skaters or ice hockey and things like that, you mentioned around some of the stability, uh, mobility, flexibility and, and balance components that you might use as some of your benchmarking targets. Can you try and give us maybe... Uh, a one one target you might have for each one of those uh, levels. So I guess starting, you mentioned the handheld. What would you be looking for that? What type of uh, flexibility do you think is really important? Because they often get into obviously really deep ranges and, and need to be really strong in those ranges, I presume. Okay. So, uh, for example, if we uh, look to the speed skater, a speed skater is actually uh, he's always competing to himself, to him or herself. So you have like, a, unless of course it's a mild start, but if you do like a 5K or a 10K or a, let's say a 500 meter sprint, you always have, of course, you have your opponent, you have your uh, concurrent, uh, the other athlete, but actually in the end you have to fight yourself right? because it's like a time trial in, let's say, road cycling. So that means uh, you have to to find out your, your steady state, let's say, and to give it all, to give it all as, as hard as possible uh, during the whole um, competition. So that means as well, if we don't work a lot on movement efficiency, you, you lose your stability in terms of ankle, knee, and hip, for example. And for example, the ranges or the stability on, on the ice is decreasing and you lose time. So the most important targets, for example, for a speed skater is you have to imagine they are sitting in a very low position. They are sitting in a very low position and they have to put a lot of force into the eyes side, sideways, but also backwise. Yeah? So they have to put the eyes away or to, put their, uh, to push their uh, body away against the eyes as hard as possible in a side and a backwards uh, position. So that means the glutes are for massive importance in terms of strength, but also in terms of uh, stability. Um, let's talk about the hip here. So if we see, for example, a speed skater is losing his stability while pushing off the ice and the hip, the, the contralateral hip is falling down, you can imagine that you are losing energy. So we really focus on stability of the contralateral hip uh, in terms of uh, a better movement efficient efficiency while pushing off the ice. So that's one, the hip. So you really need to have a good stability around the hip to keep the contralateral uh, side in a good position to push off against the ice. The second important thing is the knee. You really have to be st to stay steady on the on the knee angle. If you, for example, in terms of fatigue, if you don't resist uh, enough to fatigue, 
you will see that the angle is becoming bigger and bigger because you can't keep it uh, you can't keep the angle anymore so we really need to find out a position to keep the angle of the knee in the, in its best way so for for example if we talk about our speed skater that's Bart Swings he's also an Olympic champion on the uh, mass start uh, last year in uh, Beijing and um, the most important there is is for example very um, unflexible or let's say very uh, stiff uh, in his hamstrings so whereas the general information was uh, you need to uh, everyone has to, to to work on the flexibility of the hamstrings that was not in his case we use for example the hamstrings or the stiffness better said from the hamstrings to support in a passive way on the hamstrings so that he can spare energy or that he can uh, keep his energy to push off on the glutes yeah. to, uh, while staying in the deep position. And then the third thing is the balance of the ankle. It's huge important to have a, a good balance of the ankle because if you can't uh, move well while doing, so move well without losing the balance, so you have to, to try to imagine if you push against the, the ice, you have to find your inner um, side of the of your knife actually it's like a knife you have to find out uh, let's say the, the the iron the iron of uh, a skate is not as sharp as a knife it's actually like a like a like a rec rectangle is it like you said like this like a yeah so you have to find out your you have to find your inner your inner part your inner inner angle of this angle of the skate without losing the stability of your ankle so the ankle should be very stable um, to stay uh, steady also while pushing off the ice. So if you don't have enough stability around the ankle, then yeah, you, you, you lose energy in terms of pushing off the ice. So also around the ankle, uh, you need a good dorsiflexion mobility, for example. So we have to work well on the, on the dorsiflexion of, of, of the ankle, but, but without losing the contact of the heel on the ice. So you can imagine if your knee is coming forward and you don't have uh, mobility enough uh, in dorsiflexion of the ice, the ankle is coming up, so you're pushing more on the toes and you lose the contact with the ice and you can't push uh, that much. So you really need to push a lot on the, on the heel. So that, that means you need really good, uh, really good uh, dorsiflexion of the ankle, a very good stability of the ankle, a good knee angle, and uh, a hip stability um, to, in terms of not losing the pelvic while pushing off on the ice. So this is a way how we work, for example, with the speed skater. If you compare that with, of course, a, a sprinter in athletics, that's a totally different way of work because there you, you have more linear, linear way. Uh, to work uh, in, in, in speed skating is uh, three-dimensional, three, three of course. Okay, beautiful. And I'm sure that takes, uh, you know, there's a fair bit through uh, to talk. We could break that down further into, I guess, some of the, the testing things you use for that. But um, we were keen to sort of move on to chatting a little bit around those track athletes that you just mentioned there. You, you're doing some work with the Belgium athletic team leading up to the Olympics next year. Uh, and you're working pretty intensely with those guys at the moment. Uh, we wanted just to talk through a little bit around 
um, first of all, within the healthy program, guys who are performing at the, the top level, uh, not necessarily injured at the moment, what sort of levels of capacity are you looking for in these track athletes? And I think we're sort of talking to the sprinters and, and the jumpers here. Um, and what sort of workup of exercises do you do regularly? I guess they, I'm sure they do all their, their lifting and things like that, but is there a certain couple of things that are that you see as a sort of must-have that they must be at a certain level to achieve that level of capacity? Yeah. So, uh, for example, in, in uh, athletic athletes, it's, uh, it's important for sure if you go to the more uh, explosive numbers, let's say from 100 to 400 uh, meter sprint. Uh, so there it's very important uh, to have a very stiff angle. So, for example, if we go for needs analysis, we know that it's very important to have a good uh, reactivity of the foot on the track. So what, uh, what are we uh, um, what are we measuring here? Uh, on force plates, for example, we use like the RSI, the reactive strength index, to see how they are, um, uh, let's say, um, how, how they are doing. Eh? So do, do they need more uh, reactive strength? Uh, how, do we, how do we use it then? So that's more the strength and conditioning uh, programming. But of course, the, the, the tendon, the Achilles tendon, Achilles tendon should be... Um, should have enough capacity to, to deal with this. So besides uh, uh, strengthening it up, we really need also a good capacity of, of, uh, of the ankle uh, and the capacity of the, of, the, of the calf, for example. And that's what we also measure in, in our um, athletes monitoring system. So in our um, screening, let's say, we uh, check, for example, the, the calf endurance. Uh, we check the RSI. We, um, we uh, try to find out how the mobility is without losing the stiffness, of course, because you really need this stiffness uh, to put a lot of, uh, or as short as possible, strength or forces on the track. Um, and if we, if we go to, the, to build up a program, for example, uh, we start in the general prep phase, in the off-season prep, even... Let's talk about post-season. So when they have when they have like rest or uh, active rest, we advise them to keep on working on their tendons because the tendons they want to get loaded. So we advise them, and that's also a principle of mine. Beside the the, the specific uh, discussion, I advise, but you decide. And so I I advise them together with their trainers to. Um, keep on working on the tendons. And the tendons, for example, the Achilles tendon, we use a lot of isometrics in the, the, the post-season to keep the tendons healthy and robust. And so this is a very structural way, a very minimized way, but at least continuing way to keep the tendons healthy. If we go to general prep in the off-season, we use again the modalities of, okay, let's start with more uh, volume, like uh, more from isometric, more to concentric way of work. Whereas we can put on more and more um, uh, weight and where we can put more and more uh, volume in the, in the start to build down again the, intent, uh, the, the, the volume uh, when there is a crossover of uh, more specific prep of the trainer. So we keep the tendons healthy by the continuation of doing the exercises. For example, if we look to the start um, let's say the general prep again, uh, then we start with three to four times a week doing these kinds of exercises. They are quite light, but at least uh, build, it, build it up. Um, if we go to a very pre-competition or in-season competition, we use like, or we minimize them to one to two times a week in an isometric way, 
in a warm-up, so at least that they can continue the exercises um, uh, and to keep their tendons healthy and warmed up before uh, going to the to the start. So that's that's the one thing. So measurement of the of the tendons by the endurance of the calf. Okay? So the 30, uh, 30 rep uh, test actually. So the endurance of the calf, and the mobility of the foot and ankle that we measure. Uh, if we look further, for example, uh, in terms of the sprinters, of course we need to know the strength or the symmetrical. Uh, idea of strength from left and right hamstrings because we know there is a lot of uh, there can be a lot of uh, inci or a big incidence on uh, uh, on hamstring uh, injuries. So what we are doing there is we test them on the um, on the cybex or biadex. If there is very if there is a very big difference in terms of baseline tests, eh? if we see for example example on the handheld dynamometry, there is more than ten percent difference left and right we know or we advise them to go for a biodex or a cybex, an isokinetic uh, test uh, or measurement. Um, but also the endurance of the hamstrings. We do also the single, um, uh, single leg uh, pelvic bridge, for example, 30 times uh, by, uh, uh, supported by a metronome. Uh, and they should be able to do 30 reps left and right. So we have like the isometric strength in different angles. We have the endurance tests also base, uh, based on, it's a baseline test, of course, a baseline test protocol on field, that where, where, whereas you can do it everywhere. For example, if you build up or you test, you can also test it, uh, for example, on a training camp, uh, let's say in Turkey or in, uh, in, in Greece or wherever. Those are the baseline tests that we always use to, to, to keep in touch with the athletes or better said, to keep in touch with the progression for each individual athlete. Um, for example, if we go to um, uh, to the hip uh, as well, we look to uh, mobility, the under rotation, exo rotation. So we have a very strict, uh, based on, on, on evidence, of course, we have a very strict um, test uh, uh, methodology where we can find the differences, the individual differences from left to right, for example, or compared with a benchmark. So we, we there are there are a lot of normative data. Uh, for example, you need like uh, fifty five to 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 sixty percent. For example, hamstrings, uh, quadriceps uh, ratio. Uh, but also, what about adductors, abductors uh, in terms of isometric strength? Like one point, the adductor over uh, abductor one point one point two, for example. And those those tests are for us, or the results of those tests are like, um, let's say. Uh, a point that we can give them to to improve during the, the training sessions they have. So that's how we customize the programs. Uh, if we build up the programs, because it's the most important, of course, in terms of injury prevention, is doing the programs. You can have the, the best knowledge, the best experience, but if you only test and you say to them, okay, now you can start ec eccentrics, one, if they don't know why to do it, and if they don't, if they are aren't aware about um, the, the, the preventative value of it, of course, they won't do the exercise. So it's important, it's, it's, it seems to be maybe a little bit uh, ridiculous to say, but in terms of injury prevention, you just have to train. You have to put up the capacity, the capacity by doing the exercises. And that's actually the biggest challenge. I, I guess you also have that uh, or seen that, uh, Nick, in, in, in your sports. You can say, for example, a Nordic hamstring is very important, but if they don't do it, yeah, it makes no sense. So we have to 
to be sure that, um, that the athletes are doing the exercise. So we are talking about compliance. So we have to build or we build it, uh, let's say, a system, a culture where it's logic, logic to do the exercises, where it's evident to do the exercises. Um, so and how are we doing that? So we have had our needs analysis. We have our results of the tests. We give a customized program, depending on the periodization, of course, how many times a week. But we also follow up every three to five, uh, uh, every three to five weeks. We give some new exercises. We test again. We give, we, we give new exercises so that, that they also be aware of, okay, I've, I've, I've progressed here already, for example, in terms of uh, asymmetrical uh, measurements. Uh, they can see, okay, I've, Im I've improved the last uh, four weeks, so it's less necessary to do more exercise for that. So we always try, try to find the minimal dose, but the most effective dose. And that's, of course, the, the, speed, the sweet spot that's always like um, important in terms of uh, how many exercise, sh uh, exercise should we give. Um, that was a challenge for me as a young, uh, 20 years ago, as a, as, as a young uh, therapist, that I gave a lot of exercises, uh, but it's, it's a, it, let's say it's a, it's a mean, it's, it's not the goal to do the exercises, uh, it's the goal to win gold with your sport, and it's a support, the exercises are only a support uh, to, to, to go to gold in terms of building capacity. So um, that's actually our methodology, like, testing, using the results, retest uh, on field. So being involved in the process, always being there. Uh, for example, here we call it like a central, centralized work. Uh, there is one spot where all athletes coming together. I think you know very well the, the, the uh, Australian Institute of Sports or, for example, in, in, in Holland, um, our um, northern neighbors, they work with the CTOs, as they call it, like Papendal and... Uh, great, great centers where all best athletes uh, are coming together. So there is also a culture and let's say um, the belief, the attitude to, to, to the attitude based on beliefs that it's just important to do the exercises. And that's actually where we are, where, where we are aiming for also with that new kind of following up uh, system where we take into account the load, depending on what the trainer is doing, the capacity, that's what we are measuring with our tests. And then, of course, the well-being, we ask them, how do you feel, actually? Because we can say, you need this and this and this exercise. Do you understand why? But also, how do you feel? Um, so they are really deep involved in, the, in, 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 uh, in their own process, actually, because it's their process. It's not mine or it's not the trainer's. It's the, the athlete's, uh, um, let's say, way to go for gold. Yeah. Oh, mate, super comprehensive. Uh, I know the listeners there will be wanting uh, me to ask, I think, because it's a reasonably hot topic. I think the hamstring stuff was, was um, I think we could picture that and, and know how we can take that into our clinical practice. But you're talking around the stiffness um, and measurements. You mentioned RSI. Can you tell us uh, what tests you're doing and what sort of um, objective number you're looking for in that test because I, I know that's an area of interest for a few people exactly so it's very important indeed the the rsi what are we doing actually we, we use we use the force plate so the, the the three to five uh tests to, to have the best uh the best uh, results actually and then um 
we use uh, the force plates in in our uh, sports clinic but for example in terms of uh, you you maybe you know the uh, the the jump um, uh, the jumps what they are doing with um, with with a, with a longer track they are doing this with the federation but just in a clinical way we're using uh, just the force plates actually so the most important here is of course you you need the data from a lot of uh, uh, sprinters and uh, the sprinters, but also uh, we use it also in terms of 800 meter runners. Um, so that's the most important. But if we go to, to benchmarking, of course, um, yeah, we all know, I think, that, that uh, the RSI should be like, like, like more than, than three if you really are a, work, uh, or a world class uh, athlete. But if you have like a low uh, reactive strength uh, ability, uh, or, or uh, aren't, for example, prepared uh, to, to, to build up their more reactive strength. It's minus 1.5, for example, on, uh, on, on the results. So in between that, uh, we use the benchmarks like, okay, what is really necessary for a certain age and how can we build it up for the, the athlete itself? Eh? So that's, that's, uh, that's the most important. We also uh, use, for example... Um, uh, yeah, you have the the, the ranges from uh, 2.0 to 2.5, so we all already know that's very good. So it's an individual-based uh, information that we give, based on uh, yeah, let's say the the, the the info we know from from uh, from from evidence, from uh, scientific evidence. So that's that's the most important thing actually. So the the, the jump height actually, uh, let's say it like that. Um, or the flight time uh, over over the, the the ground contact actually. So that's uh, I, I don't know if you if you meant that by the the question. Yep. Now that pretty much covers it. And just to clarify, just the test that you're doing is the three five hop. Is that sort of is that what you said? Or that's, yep. that's it. That's it. Yep. All right. Yeah. That that should cover us on on that topic there. So um, and and sort of I guess moving on from. Oh, we're going to stay with talking around the Olympic, the Olympic track athletes here and the sprinters, and and being a sports physio and, and rehab podcast, we're we're going to sort of move that into a little bit of stuff around some uh, management of an injured athlete, um, and in this case, you, you were keen to were keen to chat through some hamstring. Uh, processes that you have so if one of your athletes you're talking there a 200 meter sprinter does a hamstring um i guess take us through a little bit of what your rehab process might look like um around you know assessment targeted prescription and reviews um and then yeah you, you, you know sort of following on from that i guess what what are some of the things that are often missed in rehabs like this for these top end athletes um you know that often get a little bit missed at the higher levels um as well yeah um, so most important, of course, we uh, um, whenever there is uh, like, of course, we first of all we we need a, a good classification of of, of the hamstring uh, uh, problems. Is there a tendon involved, more myofascial or whatever? So the good diagnosis, of course, is is the base baseline to start with. So uh, also to to talk about the the, the prognosis. So um, for us, of course, it's important to to have a. Let's say a decent or a, or a or a good good uh, diagnose uh, to start as soon as possible with with uh, loading it, eh? so that we can e- that that we can immediately start loading it in in terms of dealing with pain and taking into account the uh, the hamstring uh, structure. Eh? How 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 is the 
structure and how far can we can we load it. So most important actually there is that we immediately start with uh, testing as well. Yeah, so even within the, the first 48 hours, we, of course, with the palpation, uh, how, how big is the pain location uh, one to how uh, does the uh, athlete feel uh, the pain while doing some resistance test some some uh, um, of course the the, the flexibility the, uh, flexibility test but for sure also the strength tests in in the different angles as well and there we use of course also the um, uh, the aspirator protocol for example that we that we follow uh, that we follow up uh, to to follow up the athlete so this is for us very important uh, to put the criteria to to have progression in their rehab so um, in uh, instead of using only time, uh, we of course it's important to to work on a criteria based uh, rehab, so that you every day when we see them, yeah, the the athletes they will be tested. Yeah? So there we test like uh, for sure the isometrics in in terms of the laying in prone position or in uh, in uh, uh, back position, and there all the angles will be will be tested. Um, and most important thing actually is that we keep the chronic load as high as possible. For example, if there is a sprinter, and of course you can't sprint anymore, but you perfect can uh, go on or continue with uh, with keeping your, your ankle stiff, as we talked about before. So you can do like uh, a lot of uh, jumps or a lot of, uh, based on the knowledge you had from before, of course, to, to keep the, the tendons around the ankles strong. But also you can perfectly start with with squats, even deep squats, if the pain is managed well. So it's also about how to deal with pain, to learn the athlete how to deal with pain. How far can you go? What's what's important for you to say as an athlete, here I, you have to stop because it's too much pain. But if you do, don't feel anything, that's not within my expectations as a therapist. So it's important to communicate as well with the, with the athlete. It's not a problem to feel kind of pain or a sensitivity as long as it, as you keep it in a range of two to three on 10. And so it's for sure in the, in the acute phase. Um, so if we go through that uh, progression, of course, we start as soon as possible also, uh, for example, on a cross trainer, um, you call it like that, that an elliptical cross trainer so that you also have like the met metabolic uh, uh, system working as, as uh, hard as possible. But we try also to, to keep their heart going very hard in a lactate uh, to, 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 uh, for lactate tolerance, uh, for sure with the 400 uh, meter uh, uh, guys. So as, as far as, as soon as possible, we put them on the, on the bike and let them train in a hypoxia uh, environment. And so also to have uh, their, their metabolic uh, training system working well uh, while recovering from the, uh, the, the, the hamstring injury. So... We can't put for uh, for sure no no clear time uh, line on that, but we we are sure that for example in an athletic way they are healing very fast and based on the criteria based rehab system or the the cr criteria that we test every day because we see them every day uh, there you can give very customized um, an individual uh, input to to go as fast as possible again on the on on, on a treadmill and then going further on. In, in terms of uh, high frequent running uh, and after that of course you really need to to have a big uh, um, yeah big velocity again so we start from 
let's say, conditionally from day one already, if there is no pain. Uh, if we go to the, to the level of the hamstrings, we load it as soon as possible in an isometric, then concentric and eccentric way, and to build it up, up in terms of uh, the, the, the bigger angles as well, and so the, the greater angles, because I think you're also aware about the new spikes they use. Um, so we see, we've seen a lot of uh, injuries of hamstrings uh, in Tokyo, Tokyo 2021, there uh, the new um, spikes have been used. Uh, we saw indeed a, an increase of that, uh, of that, yeah, of the problem actually, the issue around the, the hamstrings. So we knew we had to uh, to change also our, our injury preventative programming. So not only, for example, the eccentric uh, training uh, uh, training sessions, but even in bigger um, or greater let's say, angles uh, to move, standing in standing position, for example, uh, flywheel training and so on, so that they, um, yeah, they had good, uh, robust and, 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 and strong um, hamstrings before going on the track again. So that was a big impact uh, for the athletes using the new, the new spikes, actually, because it, has, it, it makes you have a bigger step length, one, and two, there is also a longer ground contact. So it's like, a, a, let's say, like a pushing pushing away harder so that makes that that your strength that your step length is uh, is bigger so there we had to adapt uh, our um, our programming actually so that was very uh, interesting uh, and we learned a lot about uh, this uh, the, the last two years actually so and it also has to do with endurance of course the the capacity of keeping your uh, your posture straight after 250 or 300 meters going for the 400 uh, finish line uh, so that was uh, very important as well to get to keep uh, your, your posture straight and not uh, giving away with uh, with uh, with your pelvic going down in a sitting position so that that you're and beside the hamstrings is already stretched out more because of the step length uh, increased and i guess sort of coming on from we mentioned the hamstrings earlier you mentioned the endurance test and some biodex 10 percent uh, balance left to right in a rehab sense is there any other what is there? Is there any other key metrics or key capacity tasks you'd want to see this athlete uh, be able to do before returning to their sprint work, or or is it just those couple of exercises you've already mentioned there? No, no. So, uh, so of course it's it's like a like a shared decision uh, making process. Um, but what we are doing as well is, uh, of course. Uh, uh, yeah, all the, the all the tests you need to do. Uh, for example, also. Um, the, 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 the very high, uh, high eccentric uh, loaded tests. We also use like the, the Nordics, for example, as one of the, the most important pain tests as well, uh, but also to see can they reach already uh, uh, two times uh, six uh, reps, for example. But there we use a whole uh, protocol, actually. Um, I don't know how, how deep you want to go in the, uh, in the hamstrings protocol, but... Uh... So, yeah, I guess suggesting maybe just to give a little bit more insight into some of the, the higher-level exercise you would use for the, for the hamstring capacity. So, obviously, uh, you yeah. touched on the Nordic. A, a few other elements there, because these guys run and women run so fast that the demands are so high. So, I guess it's a bit different to some other uh, field athletes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I understand. Okay, so uh, maybe uh, at first, the most important thing is indeed what, what we're talking about was uh, the criteria-based uh, test protocol, of course. Um, uh, before going back on, on, on stage, uh, I think I talked about already uh, the, the, the shared 
decision making what we do. Uh, so like it, it, it should be. Um, but the test, uh, uh, for example, tests, extra tests, what we, what we are doing, of course, is like the, the, the biodex as well. It's more in, in a clinical way uh, or like a clinical setting, I mean, in a, in a hospital setting. Uh, but on field, of course, uh, we have like the, the Nordics uh, to to, um, uh, uh, yeah, to 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 perform well. So, for example, with the with the uh, Nordboard, but also, for example, the the Askling uh, test, uh, the Askling heart test that we that we use uh, to also see how the confidence is uh, and and if if that's if that's going well. So, you of course, we have the whole uh, test protocol. But in terms of exercises, uh, beside of course the the, the the main uh, uh, Nordic hamstrings. Yeah, we really need to, uh, or what we are doing is like a broad spectrum of exercises. That means hip, um, um, hip or knee dominant, hip and or uh, knee dominant exercises. Uh, we are talking here about, uh, for example, an RDL or, for example, a gliding forward on a on 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 a, on, on, on the on the on the surface. Uh, in, Trying to to keep your in a straight way, so with your front or your uh, involved knee uh, or involved hamstring, in putting in in first position, you try to glide forward. Uh, those kind of things, of course. Uh, so hip dominant, knee dominant, uh, hip and knee dominant exercises. So we put a, a broad spectrum of exercises, build it up from isometrics, isometrics to dynamics to eccentric work. Um, and of course, as we know, as we both know, I think uh, Nick is uh, one of the most uh, important uh, protectors as well of hamstring uh, problems. Is not only strengthening them up, but also sprinting. And so the the exposures, uh, the exposure to sprint. So what we see, for example, is um, for sure also when we look back to our data that, for example, uh, athletes. Um, are always aware about something in their hamstrings or are uh, often aware of something in their hamstrings and they don't dare to to push out 100% on a training session. So it's important as well to, to try and to put on uh, the higher loads, the intensities, in a regular-based way, of course, and not waiting, of course, uh, waiting for the, for the competition because we know that in competition there are the most... Uh, um, uh, problems actually so because of the acute uh, chronic uh, work differences um, so sprinting dare to sprint as well uh, uh, start even from from the beginning of the year by uh, increase quite fast to uh, to sprinting but also in terms of endurance also try to sprint further not only like uh, 60 uh, meters 80 meters but also if you run a, a 100 meter try to to uh, use 120 meters 150 meters you know so that's a that's an important thing so also to make your body stronger than it's necessary for your competition that's actually one of the most important principles maybe you know the if we go if we jump over to the uh, to Niels uh, van der Poel, one of the, the, the biggest uh, or the greatest uh, speed skaters, uh, 5 and 10k uh, 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 Olympic champion. He, he had a, a massive, huge load, uh, endurance load. Uh, for example, he, uh, he, he trained like two times 10 kilometers a day on uh, competition pace uh, to have a better and easier way to feel while doing the competition. So, 
when your limits are higher than it's necessary for your own competition, then you have the comfort to compete uh, in, an, in, an, in an, let's say, um, I wouldn't say walk in the park, uh, that would be too easy to say, but then you have the capacity to go with a lot of confidence and with a lot of physical strength to your competition. Yeah, very insightful. Uh, now, mate, we've we've covered a fair bit of territory thus far and uh, getting to probably the end of, of our chat uh, purely for time purposes. I'm sure there's so much more we could talk through. Um, I wanted to just finish with a couple of quick fire questions. I guess one around hearing you speak and, and some of the things we're, we're chatting through. Who are some of the your, your key influences in your career in the sports physio and rehab field? Who, who do you think uh, are some of the guys you look to to sort of learn off and have learned some things off over the time? Yeah, one of, uh, I think one of the, 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 the key persons or better set a key group actually, I travel a lot also in Norway for speed skating. There is a Norwegian group uh, around uh, with, uh, for example, uh, uh, Professor Torborg. Uh, I think that's one of a, a big influencer in our job as a as an injury prevention um, for the insights around injury prevention, uh, all what has to do with sports uh, physical therapy, sports physiotherapy. So that's for me one of the the, the greatest groups actually uh, working around uh, sports medicine. Beautiful and. Uh... So what's, um, for you, what's, what's next? What's coming up next in, in the future in, in your workspace? We've touched on the Olympics, but uh, yeah, where else do you see uh, the next phase for you? Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's, it's, uh, it's good to, uh, to know or to, to continue further on uh, using more technology uh, and data in, uh, in terms of um, supporting the athletes. Eh? So supporting, so not, not losing your, your your view uh, while using too much data but I think technology can be improved even better so that's where we are working at at this moment uh, using or building up an app uh, to put strength uh, uh, or injury preventive uh, strength actually in in an app Um, but also that's one two I think it's very important and as you are doing with SportsMap uh, Nick it's the education of physios by doing courses or congresses or whatever I think this is very, very meaningful. It's very important. It has a lot of impact on physios. The thing that we miss, actually, is the, the involvement of trainers and, and, and athletes. So uh, that's also what I see here in, in, in Belgium, for example. So I, I put my hand uh, in my own, uh, let's say, I, I take that also uh, as, as a work point. Um, the most important thing is doing your exercises in terms of injury prevention. So we should involve more the trainers and athletes in, in terms of giving courses, giving congresses as well, uh, by giving them, um, let's say, uh, information that's very, very uh, translatable to their own sports. Because actually injury prevention is about the, the co-work of trainer and athlete. And I'm just an advisor in this, uh, in this way, in injury prevention, and I give them exercises. Uh, in a rehab position, of course, it's uh, something different. Um, so that's uh, for me what futural insights are. So t- technology and more uh, finding more involvement in terms of giving knowledge and, and experience to trainers and athletes to, to get the compliance and adherence higher. Actually, like it. I like it. Now um, I touched. Uh, I mentioned a little bit around uh, some of the 
the, the some great exercise I saw back on your on your Instagram uh, some time ago. But outside of that, if uh, someone wanted to reach out and touch base with you after listening to this podcast, uh, how would they go about doing that? If if you're happy for that to happen, yeah. Uh, so we uh, we are um, a grit grit sports clinic actually grit sports clinic in in Leuven. So they can always uh, find us on, uh, uh, on 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 the website. Uh, or, uh, for example, Twitter, Grid Sports Clinic. Um, uh, my personal uh, Instagram is uh, Maarten Thijssen. So um, everyone who, is, uh, who wants to have some contact or uh, to talk or to chat about uh, injury prevention uh, in terms of individual sports, uh, always feel free. Unreal, mate. Now, uh, Martin, yeah, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we've obviously chatted through... A range of things from some components around speed skating and profiling to uh, injury prevention uh, within our track athletes and also some criteria-based uh, rehab. And um, So it was really nice to, as a first step, obviously, working through some things with you and we hope to sort of maybe do some work with you in the future. But um, thanks for joining us for the podcast and I hope everyone enjoyed listening. Thank you, Nick. Thank you very much.